you guys gain enjoyment out of knowing that people are going to be using something that you build. Would you guys all agree with that? I just want to be building things that is actually going to be used. I think that is the most important thing to me as a developer. I don't want to be working on something that nobody's ever going to touch in the future. I don't care how much money you have. If one person is going to use it, go find somebody else to build it. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Welcome to the How to Build an App podcast. We started this show to help app founders refine their idea, build insanely useful apps, scale it up, and change the world. This podcast is brought to us by you and your ideas. We fund this podcast from our full-service app development agency, Strides Development. When you're ready to build an amazing app, we can help you take it from idea to a finished app in a few months. Right now, we're offering a free strategy call to talk to you about your app and give some direction when it comes to building it. You can book your call at strides.dev. That's strides.dev. Hey, welcome to How to Build an App. I'm your host today, Beaudry Price. Listen, we actually kind of switched things up a little bit for today's episode. We've talked so much about all the aspects of building an app, from validating your idea, to design, to marketing, and even more. But you know what we haven't covered? Actually building and coding your app. So we jumped on with a handful of developers that we work with on a regular basis to talk shop and talk code. I break down with Shane Kofid the ins and outs of managing the development process, rolling out different features, and what it really takes to keep a dev really happy and excited about your project. And it's not exactly what you might think. So let's get to it. I'm excited to welcome you to a roundtable discussion all about developing your dream app. So we'll kind of jump in. So my name is Beaudry. Uh, I'm here with Austin uh, and Shane. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of go, we have a bunch of developers with us, uh, a bunch of rockstar developers, kind of special and everything. So let's just kind of go through and let's kind of introduce ourselves. Austin, let's start with you and, and tell us kind of your, who you are. Obviously our listeners probably already know who you are, but let's go ahead and start with you and, and kind of what you specialize in. Cool. So yeah, um, my name's Austin. Again, yeah, most of you probably know who I am, but uh, what I specialize in specifically is iOS development. Um, I've been doing iOS development for quite a while now. Um, and yeah, that's basically me. Cool. Uh, and I'm just going to go by my grid view of who's next. So I know you guys' grid might be different, but I'm going to go next, Drew. So let's, uh, let's introduce you, Drew. Tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Drew. I'm a mobile software engineer for iOS Okay. Jesse? All right. I'm a front-end dev, mostly work in React and JavaScript and do a little bit of design stuff too. Perfect. Marcus, tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Marcus. Uh, I am currently a full-stack developer doing web development, uh, hopped from mobile development to web development. All right, Jaden. Hey, all. My name is Jaden Fedock. I specialize in iOS development when I develop, but yeah, I've been spending more time in full-stack back-end work lately. And then Richard. Hey guys, my name is Richard. I'm the quality assurance guy. So I jump around different projects, um, conducting different test cases and making sure that our product has high quality for the client. So that's me. Perfect. Okay, so we uh, we have a little bit of everything here. I would agree with me, Shane, on that. I think we got we got front end, yeah, yeah. we got we got back end, we got. Uh, web, we got everything. So here's the deal. A lot of our founders don't know what we're talking about when we say front end, when we say back end, when we say web, when we say, I mean, mobile, that one's pretty easy. I, I think everybody knows how mobile. So let, let's start with, with Jaden. Jaden, can you give us a quick rundown of what you think the difference or how would you explain the difference 
to someone who is not technically sound when it comes to these different type of Dell? Why can't you guys all just do everything? Actually, Bodri, can we, why don't we ask it this way? What if we say, hey, I want to build Uber. Who's going to do what? Yeah. Who's going to manage which part of it? So Drew, I'm building Uber. I have an unlimited budget. Which part of the process do you do? You do? I would handle the, the app end of it. So what the actual user is seeing, and I would be communicating with the back end in order to do that. So it's everything the user sees. So specifically on the iPhone app, like yep. what they would actually pull up. Okay. And you could do all the little bells and whistles of the street view and the where's my driver and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Not- notifications, maps, all that stuff. Right on. Jesse, which part would you do? Uh, assuming that there's a web app. I'm not sure if there is currently. There's unlimited but, budget. So of course there's yeah, a web there's, app. Uh, why not, right? right? <laughs> yeah. So then the web app would actually be built to kind of mimic the iOS app. Um, and if there's an unlimited budget, then I would expect all the functionality of the mobile app to, to also be in the web app, but it won't function as natively as it would um, as device-specific apps as for like Android or iOS. So that can be a little tricky with notifications. So thinking on Uber specifically, it would be, so just so people know, so if they if they pull up, Drew, they pull up your fancy iPhone app and they're pulling up their ride, what would be some of the cases where an iPhone app would have a web app interface? What would be some of the things that people might not think about on Uber? Because I've never called an Uber from my computer, right? But I'm sure there's a million web apps for that. Uh, I would say that you can also use a web app on your phone. If Uber had a web app, you could pull it up on your in the browser on your on your device and it would work the exact same way. Nice. So our Uber, you could actually order a car without even having to have the app installed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of apps out there that, that work like that. So Marcus, which part would you do? Probably be deeper in the back end, uh, looking at APIs, uh, trying to build out an API. Cause it's, uh, one of the things a lot of people forget is you want to allow, uh, other applications to use your, uh, device in the long, in the scheme of things. Um, so you want them to be able to call it, be like, oh, uh, let's say a wallet app. Uh, I want to pay through that. Um, how do we do that? Or, um, hey, uh, a, we say we uh, add some functionality on top of Google Maps and somebody wants to use that. Uh, how do we ensure that someone is able to use that and uh, doesn't get confused in the process? Nice. Jaden, which part would you do? I think I'd, uh, I'd probably be working with Marcus here and <laughs> figuring out the back end, making sure the API is secured and safe and make sure we get all the information to the right place at the right time. So a lot of it is dissemination of information, making sure people have what they need, whether that's location of a car, how long it's going to be till it gets to you, map information, all that stuff. So so just to clarify with what, what both of you guys said, you would be doing a whole bunch of stuff that the customer would never see, right? So you're doing, there's a mountain of code that would have to happen for the app to actually work but the customer would never even know exists, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, you'll see the data, but it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it'll be pretty I, coming to you. That's that's what other people do. Backend guys just, don't get enough credit, just so everybody yeah. knows. Uh, they do so much work <laughs> and yeah. they should be given all of the credit. I have I have a brother that's a backend developer and, and I've I've ex- I had him explain to me a million times. I was like, do you or do you not build robots? I don't know. But um I was like, can you explain? He's like, here's the deal. This is how backend developers are. For a sports analogy, we are the linemen. We are blocking and we are holding the line to make sure the quarterback has time to throw the football to the receiver who is the front end, who catches and gets all the glory. But the backend guys really are the ones doing all the work and holding off the line, making sure everything works. But everybody on the front end makes it look like they're they're like the rock stars and everything looks really pretty and, and acts really well. And so uh, so I, that's what I've heard. I don't know if that's true. You guys can attest to that or not. I, I mean... 
it's really, I don't know, Jesse, you're kind of, or um, Jaden, you're kind of got a smile on your face. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a fun analogy. I hadn't heard it before, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, but here's the deal, Richard, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. So how do we know, how do we test it? What, what is, what is your process on? Let's say we build this app. How do we get the bugs out? What is your process on in the whole, whole series? So to start off, um, we usually put our user hat and try to think as a user because there's many different things that we overlook as developers and assume that the customer knows how everything should work. We just got to make sure that uh, first the front end looks good and then that there's like a really good communication between the front end and back end, um, making sure that the app doesn't crash and um, making sure that the application uh, meets uh, the client's requirements and that the flow are as smooth as possible. So, so, so really, so you, you have our front end, we have our back end and they put it together, but you kind of go in behind and make sure everything's connected. Everything's flowing really well. Make sure things aren't broken. Is that, would you say that's kind of what your, your main goal is? Exactly. So if I was a dev, I would just have to block your email and then I would never, I would never have you adding stuff to my task list. Is that what I should do if I'm a dev? Yeah. You're just like, this is broken. This needs to be fixed. This needs to happen. Yeah. Austin, what are you building? What are you building on our Uber app? Oh man. I know at this point, I'm just the guy that puts out fires. Uh, I'd be along there trying to chug along with Drew. So just whipping out features as fast as I can on the front end. But Austin, I would say that you also play it. So we hear what like a project manager, is that the, is that someone that kind of just kind of makes sure everything's flowing or or is that more of a product manager? What's the difference? Uh, That's a really good question. And I think every company defines each one of those roles a little bit different. So uh, I would say my take on it, uh, a product, a product manager or a project manager just manages the project to make sure that tasks are getting done. But a product owner, I feel like, is more like innovating, trying to figure out how to make a specific feature better. There's going to be a product owner over the person that handles, you know, requesting a ride or a product owner over the person that deals with support. So that's basically how I would distinguish the difference between a project manager who actually gets the stuff out, makes sure the developers have everything they need, whereas a product owner is more like innovating, making sure that they're hitting the company visions. So a question I have on, on, this on our Uber app is we have eight people on this grid. We just, I mean, obviously everyone here is super talented, can do really, you know, really does really well what they do. Do we have enough to actually build Uber from scratch or who are we missing? Who's not on this call that would have to be on here to build Uber? I think just a designer. I think that's the only thing that's that's missing on this call. Or other than that, I think we have everything. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, we perfect. Today. Um, Shane, you're gonna you're gonna bankroll this, right? You're good with that. Um, yep, unlimited budget. Here we so go. So just just so, and we don't have a designer on here, but uh, Drew, maybe go into that a little bit. What as as developers, why is a designer important for you guys? Oh, it's super important because we've got to know. We've obviously got to know what we're gonna build, and having good designs in place that are des- decided on, that have gone through you know all of this stakeholders who are involved in that kind of thing. And it's agreed upon. Um, once we have that, then we can get to work and we can put all that in place and makes our job super easy because we just know, okay, this pixel needs to go there. That pixel needs to go there and we can just run with it. So these are, these are the color codes that need to go here. It's almost like, would you say a blueprint to a, an architecture of a house? You, you need to have that before you can really build it. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've I've worked on projects where the designs kind of evolve as you're working on it. And it it does make it a little bit more difficult because you've you've put stuff in place and then now you gotta go back and gotta change it. And if that happens over and over, it it definitely like adds time to the project and makes things which, a little more difficult. Which budget comes in play there too, right? Like, okay, yeah. although although design says we should do this, we don't have the budget to do this. We need to possibly cut corners here or, or cut, pull this feature out. So then you have to think differently than other than what it looks like. It sounds. Yeah. 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 Have either of you had to build something without a design file? And what was that like? Do you mean like, just like templates for us to just kind of fill in or. Yeah. I just mean like, how often do clients come to you and say, Hey, will you build this go start? Cause I, cause uh, at that point you're having to go in and design it and figure it out and on your own. I'm sure, I'm sure that everybody here has kind of experienced something like that. Just kind like, of built something without any guidance. Like how often have you talked to a client and they're like, Hey, I really like the look of the masterclass app. Can you just make ours look like that? I mean, uh, there's certain instances where we'll get stuff from like, uh, say, uh, what are some of the just template websites where you just kind of drag and drop stuff? We'll get stuff like that sometimes. We get some freedom there, which is good and bad, um, depending on how you look at it. I, I think it's good because uh, it gets to flex those design muscles. Um, but it can also be bad because uh, the client come back and be like, they were seen. Uh, so there's a toss up there. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it happens with a specific client 100%. I would say there's definitely cases where there is some, some points where um, uh, there is occasions where they're like, oh, just make it like this. Um, but I've never, never really experienced a client that specifically is like rebuild Uber and just name it something different and call it good. So, yeah. <laughs> so here's, a, here's actually a question, kind of a follow-up with that. Do you guys like, I feel like as a, you know, I'm non, I'm a non-technical person, but I kind of know what I like and I, I have vision for different things that I might want to build or whatnot. But I feel like sometimes when you're working with a really talented team, you feel like, Hey, if I give too much direction, am I going to make everybody mad? Like, is it going to be frustrating to work on my project because it's too specific? Um, or if you don't give enough direction, then you're off wondering, well, Hey, I don't even know what, I, what this should say. What's kind of the balance there? Do you guys like having a lot of direction in your apps? A lot of things really specified, a lot of things clear, or do you like having it be more free? And what's kind of the line where it turns into like, okay, now you're just micromanaging my, my code. You know, what's the line there? What's the sweet spot? I think from my perspective, at least, uh, you'd be surprised how many conversations are, are going to come down the road in the process of building this app. So the more you can bring from the beginning, the better. I, I don't think I've found a project that has come with too much to start the conversation. Um, I, I don't know how that would even happen, but essentially it means you're avoiding as many conversations as possible that will waste time in the future. So the more you can come with, the more design files you can bring. That way we can have that conversation now and say, hey, you're trying to build this thing. That's really expensive compared to this other feature. Should we maybe push that out to a future build uh, and, and having those conversations now versus you know, you mentioned like making it not fun to work on your project. Well, I, I would say I would rather work on your project, right? Than work on our project. Our idea of what you might want is probably not going to give you exactly what you're looking for. So the more you can detail what you're actually looking for, the happier I think any client would be. Jesse, you, you've worked in design and, and you've, you've kind of been on both sides of this coin. Tell me where that, where do you feel like that line is? Cause you know, Jaden talked about like, I like it when there's a lot because this is yours. It's not mine. Right. It's kind of, but like, at what point do you feel like you, you like to flex those creative muscles and sometimes feel micromanaged? More is better. More is better for sure. Um, you mentioned building a house earlier 
And I think that's like a pretty good example because like, let's say we're building this house on a small plot of land. If you say, hey, this house is going to take up the whole plot of land, but then you realize you don't have the money to build a house that big, you can always cut stuff off. But it's a lot harder to add stuff on later. Because let's say we're building this house and we laid out all the plumbing and all the electricity, but then they want to add like a whole nother room. It's like, all right, building the room is not the problem. Running the electricity to it is the problem. And then that gets twice as expensive as it would have been in the very be- in the very beginning. So I think that line is like, you know, you're going to, the client's going to tell you what they want. Um, and then you, but there's a lot of education that you have to give back to the client on how that's actually going to be built. So it's much better if every, if everything's there and then you have like a foundation to stand on and say, Hey, I like, I like where your head's at. I like the design. This is what it's going to cost you. And I can tell you up front. What would be too much direction? And, and your guys, have you ever worked on a project where you had too much direction? Someone's too overbearing. I don't think it's possible to get too much detail. I think it's more the thing that could be too much is too much changing of the detail. Mm. Uh, yeah, I want to hit on that because I, I feel like I might be like a little bit opposite. So I drew, I think you nailed that just too much detail in the sense of like, I'll work on projects or talk with clients and they are just so anal about <laughs> like where a button is. I'm like, you understand me moving this button for the next 15 or 30 minutes with you has costed you like a hundred dollars, right? Like, do you really care about where this button is? And so it's like super funny. So I think, I think when clients are pushing more for the aesthetic of the app and not focusing on the overall experience of the app, uh, that's when I think it's too much. So I think we should be evolving the project, like the, the feature set, not evolving the aesthetics as much a designer if you were here he'd probably tell me to shut up so yeah uh, that's why we don't have one it's like a 50 50 (laughs) toss-up so so what what would you guys say is your ideal client right so if you could paint a picture of an ideal client that you're just like oh man this was a person this was a dream to work with what were some of their features and what did they have ready for you guys uh when it kind of comes to that that perfect client someone Uh, with a budget yeah, an unlimited budget, right? Be like, no, no constraints. <laughs> so if they have budget and a pulse, Austin's in. <laughs> Jaden, I think you'd be a really good person to answer this. I'm trying to think about, you know, what what would make it perfect. I know some of our ideal clients have definitely come with an idea, right? So they've taken the initiative to write something down or draw something out, and, and even freehand that that's something we can have a conversation about. But it's uh, that initiative to say more so than I have this brilliant idea that's going to make a gazillion dollars how cheap can you build it for? Um, It's more along the lines of, Hey, I have a realistic idea. This is kind of what I'm looking for. This is what I want the experience to be like. What do you think? Or what are your thoughts? Uh, And and being open to that feedback from someone who's potentially done it quite a few more times than they have. uh, I think that that's always very valuable. So let me, let me add onto that a little bit and ask, do you guys only get stoked about ideas where you love the idea? Like, let's say you're really bought in and you really believe the app. Or have you been equally as excited to work on projects where you maybe didn't resonate with the idea or it wasn't for you, but the founder just really had their ducks in a row and was really organized and you thought, oh, this is going to be a cool project, even though I don't like the app. What's the balance there? The ideal person in my head to work with is somebody who has like their ducks in a row and has thought like about the idea for a long time, has sketched stuff out, has done research. There are very few people that I've talked to who have put in that work to know what they're building, who they're talking to. Um, and not been able to get me excited about their product. 
So it's more the their excitement and their direction makes it kind of fun as you for a developer. Yeah, because I mean, like, and it's super funny. Like, Bojo, I think we experience experience this all the time. We'll jump on a call and we'll be like, "Oh man!" Like after the first call, be like, "Dude, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that idea." We jump on a second call with them and get like their true like vision for the product, and it's like. It's like, how can they've done so much more research on the market that they know people are going to use a product. And for me as a developer, I just want to be building things that is actually going to be used. I think that is the most important thing to me as a developer. I don't want to be working on something that nobody's ever going to touch in the future. I don't care how much money you have. If one person is going to use it, go find somebody else to build it. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. You guys gain enjoyment out of knowing that people are going to be using something that you build. Would you guys all agree with that? That's pretty cool. So then knowing that, like what would be the hot, what are the hot button triggers to try to, if somebody's, you know, pitching you and Hey, here's what you should come work on my app. Here's what you should come join my team. Like, what are the kind of tangibly, like, what are those things that they're saying? You know, cause I feel like that's kind of counterintuitive. I, I thought I would think maybe if I was, that's why I don't manage developers, but I would, I would think that maybe I would try to really sell you on, you know, oh, Drew, you like plaid shirts. My shirt, my app is great for people that like plaid. You're going to love that. You know, like, I feel like I would try to go like personal with it and try to enroll you into the app. But you guys are kind of saying not so, it doesn't have, you know, you don't have to be bought into the idea so much. So I'm super curious how many people here have been super, super bought in and had been given enough vision by a project manager to have that persuade you. So you're asking who's been persuaded or who's been bought into an app idea? Uh, not necessarily bought into an app idea, but like, I think when a founder comes up to you, you can get bought in on the vision. But I think, I think a lot of us, and this is a big assumption are mainly dealing less with the client and more of the project manager. And if the project manager doesn't have the ability to cascade the vision onto everybody else working on the project, like most developers are just kind of there, like built working on something and are doing it for like the passion for development, less, less in, in the vision. Does that make sense? I had like right, an like interesting take on, um, you know, being bought into like either the project or the idea that you're building. Um, and it's gotten me in trouble at like a job interview before, because I'd be like more interested in building like some kind of like aggregated marketplace platform or something like, or even working on something like kayak for like travel more so than I'd be interested in working for like a mattress startup online. The development is can be just as complicated, but I'd be more interested in doing something that enriches people's lives a little bit more. Yeah. And I was going to say, and this, this is for Richard. Um, do you ever like an app? Because I feel like you only deal with the problems of an app. Like, do you, do you ever actually get to enjoy it? Like, I feel like Richard has to, he's like the baggage claim person that always has to deal with the lost baggage. It, nobody has a good day when we have to talk to you, Richard. So tell me, Tell me like your experience on like getting bought in on an app because you just have to deal with all the, all the bugs, right? Yeah. Um, if the client believes uh, and has a vision of his product and um, we as developers feel that and believe in what they are building, I think that it makes the process go easier. I also have to like um, run different approaches to uh, make sure that you know the app doesn't crash and um, yeah I think that being in a position where you can picture the user using the app and make sure that it's valuable to him I think it's a uh, uh, really rewarding 
Yeah, it feels, feels really good because you think you have to think like the user and you have to put yourself in the user's shoes, which I feel like probably a lot of times as developers, we, you guys probably kind of step out of it and think in, in, in code, whereas sometimes stepping out and thinking of this is the person's actually going to use it, what's their experience going to be that UX is, is something that's, that's kind of really, really kind of important, I'm sure. I have a question on uh, when it comes to building. So more detail is always better. Um you know, you want it, you don't necessarily need to be bought into the app idea so much as, as having the direction and things like that. That's kind of cool. Um, but changes do happen, right? With an app all the time. Um, what's an example of something where, and Austin and Jesse, I know I've had this exact conversation with you where I'm like, hey, uh, just real quick, can we just move this over to here or change the order of this? And you guys are like, dude, it is not that simple. What's, hey, real quick, can you just build this real quick? It, it yeah. should be simple, right? Just real quick, real, real yeah, quick. Just real yeah. quick. Yeah. Tell, yeah. And then that's, uh, yeah, go ahead, Shane. Sorry. I, I was going to say, I, what's I, the I last thing you guys have worked on where, you know, the, the client or, you know, whoever you're working on thought, oh, this would be a really fast thing and ended up being way more complicated than it would seem. I mean, there, there's lots of instances like that, right? Where, um, I mean, where ideas are going to change. Um, and it's, very easy to look at something and be like, uh, kind of similar to what uh, Austin had said with the button thing, where like it's like, oh, it's just a page. It's just moving some fields. It's just a drag and drop. That's it. It's easy. Uh, when in actuality, it's not that. Um, and, and we've had some instances before where um, customers are like, oh, it's just the front end. Most of the time, it's not. Uh, there's a lot of changes to the back end that need to happen as well. Uh, all that data processing, no matter what you're doing, um, those need to change in order to fit uh, the new need for the page. So I, I see a lot of those instances where they think it's, uh, oh, it just fixed this front end thing, fixed the way it looks. And that's not, it's not just it. You have to go back in and really retool that back end and, and figure out uh, what don't I need. Because uh, if you're going to keep refractoring the same thing, I mean, it's, you're going to have this very bloated mess of code that is going to be slow, uh, not functional. So you got to go back in and really take out that stuff that's not necessary, uh, as well as adding in the functionality, uh, which I feel is not accounted for a lot of the time. So just so even if somebody wants two pages, you know, it, it goes one, two, three, and they want it one, three, two, there might be a whole set of logic or something in the back end that just that makes it a lot more difficult than just saying, oh, right. I'll put this first. Okay. And it depends on the framework, too. I mean, I've, I've gone through a lot of different frameworks and uh, uh, different types of web development, and it's the it changes definitely depending on what you're using. So. And I think, I don't know, it's also very dependent on how something's like architected, like in an ideal world, if everything was architected perfectly, like I feel like going in and doing stuff like that would be like a normal thing. But I, in my experience, a lot of projects aren't built that way. And so it's just a lot of moving stuff around, a lot of retooling, like Marcus said. And I think one of the funniest things is when somebody's like, hey, I want to like retheme my entire app and code. I'm like... Oh my gosh. I was like, it's like, it's, it's super funny. It's such a, it sounds like such a simple thing to just go change the colors of like the buttons, the text and whatever else. But it's like, there's 400 screens in this damn thing. And I've got to go change every single one of them. <laughs> and it's so funny because some developers will be like, well, if you built it right, like that'd be easy. And I'm like, no, like what are the odds that your global stuff that you have everywhere is built perfectly in the exact same way throughout the entire app, like zero. It's just a ton of work. And so that's, it's always funny to hear people say that. 
I think that also lends to the framework thing I was talking about. Did you have someone that might have worked in React ever since it came out and they're like, it's easy, just change it. But what if I just hop to a new framework and I've been working with it for a year? Um, it's it's hard to build out that perfect code scheme uh, if you're getting used to something new, definitely. I think I'd say one of the things that people ask for that should be easy because they're used, to, they're not used to code, they're used to other things is I'll hear copy paste a lot. And it will be like, oh, well, it already exists on this page. I mean, just copy from here, paste it over there. Get like, we need a new page, but it's going to look exactly like this one. So copy paste. And I think they use that a lot, understanding that maybe they've used a word processor or something similar a lot. And it's it's, it's not the same thing. Like code doesn't just copy paste. Pages don't just copy paste from one place to another. It's super funny. We legit had somebody come to us and be like, dude, can't you just go copy like, this entire app, like, like Square app online, can't you just like find the code base and just copy and paste it and like have it? And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like you can't. Do well, first that. off, lawsuits. Second off, it doesn't work like that. So if, if you're listening as a founder and and you're you think in these things, because it's very common. Like, listen, it, it's a lot more complicated than you think, and that's why these guys do what they do and they do it really well. Is it can be a lot, a lot more. I mean, we have people like, Hey, Austin, we just, we just need to change a couple of videos and, and a couple of pictures and, and then just kind of change a little bit of the theme should be really simple. Right. And Austin's like, um, first off, I don't know what your code looks like. Uh, it's not all uniform. It's not like a drag and drop. This isn't Weebly like, you know, and, and, and I think that we, we get that all the time. So as you're listening, like know that, the development and and honestly, it comes down to cost too. Like when you design something, you want to move a button or you want to change a color. It's pretty easy in a design feature, right? Yeah, and a design you, platform. Yeah, but if sure. you want to go into a development, which you're both, right? But once you want to change that into a development and code, that's significantly different than a design. I think we just need to think differently on that for sure. I think what's some, something that's super funny too is when people say, kind of going back to like the copy and pasting, and this is just something that I want to hit for everybody. It's like. Just because we built something in the past doesn't necessarily mean we can copy and paste it. But really what you're paying for at that point isn't the copy and paste, but the actual experience that we've had on that specific thing. So it's like, cool, you know, the first time it took me to build this took, you know, 15 hours. But because I have built it before, because I have thought through all of the edge cases, now I can maybe do it in seven. And that's what you're paying for. So it's not going to be a simple copy paste and be done in three seconds. But because we've been through the process before, in theory, we should be able to do it faster. That's not always true, but sometimes it is. And that's what you're paying for and getting. Richard, just to come full circle on this uh, on this um, copy paste, big change, you know, big changes. Hey, this should be easy. This ends up taking a long time. Have you ever found a going through QA? Have you ever found problems with an app where it's, you know, it's maybe it's ready to go and they're like, Hey, we want to publish this thing to the app store. And you find something that's just like catastrophic and you have to re, you know, the team has to go back and rewrite a lot of different things or. We usually um, try different approaches to make sure that an app works great before uh, releasing to beta testing or to production. So at that point, we make sure that all the big bugs or all the big issues are solved. Uh, so that way, like uh, the client doesn't have big errors that is going to be like a big issue to, to fix. So basically, whenever we add a new feature or whenever we get a requirement done, 
we run a lot of testing just to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, that's interesting. Jesse, what do you wish that these founders who are, who are listening, what do you wish people knew before they came and talked to you and spoke to you? Like, what do you wish they had? What knowledge, like when you have someone that comes to you, you're just like, man, this person has no idea. What's something that you think of and you wish people knew before coming to developers like yourself? A constant issue that I've run into and experienced is like the time, the timeline, especially since I'm working on the front end, a lot of times I can make it look like the app development is moving really quickly because if we need a page and we need a button, um, I, I can build it and it can be there, but it's not necessarily going to work. So the timeline's really like doubled, sometimes tripled to get the back end caught up with everything that we're building on the front end. And sometimes that'll look like I didn't get anything done in a week. So I feel like if there is a better understanding of the timeline that it takes, um, especially when you're working with another team member, uh, I think that would probably be my number one wish is that there was just like this general understanding that um, there's a lot of moving pieces. And just because um, you can see one of them, that is not your like progress tracker for the app. That's that's really good because as a tech, non-technical founder, I see it. I see that it's there, but it doesn't work. Why can't you just make it work? But you wish people knew that there's way more than just building a button. There's connecting all those, which Jaden, I'm sure that you've seen that, right? Because you've done backend development. You kind of see that, but like, is that, would you agree that's something that's a really big miscommunication or a big black box for non-technical people? Yeah, I mean, I think Jesse's absolutely right there. It, it comes down to there's there's a lot of different moving streams at the same time to build an app, whether that's backend, frontend, database, security, you know, whatever that ends up being. And it comes back to you can't have too much design because the more detail you have at the beginning of your project, then you can know what those promises should look like between frontend and backend, what data like Jesse's going to need from the back end so we can start preparing that if we kind of do things on the fly or we just say you know we'll just build it as we think of it um, we can build the front end based on the conversation with the client but then only after that can we start working on the back end to fill that with actual live data so the more we have conversations and actual detail up front the more we can start those streams at the same time Otherwise, they're going to just be piled up end to end and it's going to take significantly longer. That's a good distinction, too. I think I think that's actually interesting to know what when you should start. I, I wanted to ask when you should start front end versus back end versus anything in the middle. But um, one question before that pops up is how to I, I totally get what you guys are saying. And, and uh, you know, Jesse, I totally get what you're saying of like, hey, there's a lot that you might not see or, you know, I might be working on something that might not be functional, that kind of thing. But for anyone that's a non-technical founder, I don't think it's smart for them just to say, Hey, cool. All right, Jesse, I, I, uh, you know, here's, let's get, let's get going. Um, come talk to me in six months. Right. So I think it is smart for that person to manage the process, but how, what's the best way for someone to manage something that they don't know much about. Right. So if there is four months worth of just backend coding of just different things that have to stack up, what, what would be your ideal way to work with a founder in some kind of accountability or some kind of way to know that those things are moving forward. Because, you know, we've all heard from our clients too, we've all heard those, those horror stories of people that say, Hey, I, you know, spent 50 K with this group and, um, or with this, you know, with this solo dev, and he told me he was working on it for six months and then turns out nothing actually was getting done. Right. So what's the balance between not having somebody, you know, trying to have, you know, have to do the dog and pony show every single week for a client, but also having the right level of accountability that, that you can check in and say, Hey, the, these things are happening. How's, you guys have any ideas on how to manage that? 
So this is super funny and I deal with this all the time. Um, and so what I'm actually gonna do is I'm gonna flip the script on you. Um, and basically what it all comes down to is having clear expectations up front. Like no matter what, this is gonna happen. Like we can try and put processes in place as a product manager and make it so there is something to show you every single week. But at the end of the day, there's not. And all we can do as developers is try and educate you as the client better. Like, because at the end of the day, it takes as long as it takes. And like, there's no way of dealing with that. No amount of money that you can throw at it is going to give, put you as a founder in the perfect spot. But instead of having clear expectations, by setting clear expectations up front, like, hey, there are going to be times where you don't see anything. I'm going to do my best to make sure, hey, there is something to show you. I'm going to let you know what's going on. I'm going to let you know what problems there are. Um, but like, that's an impossible problem to get around. So basically what I've been trying to do to, to really just uh, fix this is I actually wait to show features to clients uh, for about two weeks. So we're actually about two weeks behind on what's actually done. And that's typically worked for most cases. Um, and so that's what we, that's a process we do on the back end to make sure that there's usually something to show every single week. But again, there are cases where that's not true. Um, and so that, I think that's the whole point of this podcast too, is to let the founders know that there is going to be a point where you think nothing got done, but in all reality, it's a crap ton of work to process that payment in Stripe to update something in the server and to reflect it on the mobile app. Like something like that can take weeks, right? And so it's just having that clear expectation from the very beginning, that stuff takes time. We're going to communicate with you every week um, and go from there. I think it's perfect. Yeah, the transparency, um, even if you're kind of showing, I mean, that's the reason we have like ticketing systems, right? So they can see, oh, hey, here's these issues we're having uh, and, and keep track of it on their own accord. Um, really kind of follow the uh, the pipeline of some of those things. I do think to a certain extent, uh, I, I don't think they need to know like uh, if this small feature needs to be changed. Um, but uh, yeah, just that transparency, I really think is, is something key uh, between developers and founders. Let me ask, uh, so how long is too long without seeing anything? Maybe that's another way to ask it. Like if I, if I hired a guy what, on Upwork- What point is just, a red flag? Yeah, I hired a guy on Upwork. I just wired him 20,000 bucks. You know, now it's been eight weeks. I haven't seen a single thing. Should I be scared? We found a pretty good balance in two weeks. Our two week sprints are a good time to show people. And, and that doesn't always mean showing them front end. I mean, we're, we, we try to keep a pretty open and honest conversation with our clients that it's not always going to be a demo that we're going to put on your phones. It's going to be, you know, maybe we're showing you our database models. We're just walking you through the ERDs and telling you what your data looks like, or we're walking you through an AWS instance. We're showing you the infrastructure, how it works, how to maintain it, uh, what the accounts look like, and just taking them along for the ride more than anything else, because it's a journey and a winding path, I guess I could say. Uh, the whole process itself, you're making new decisions every couple of weeks. And if, if you don't reach out to them often enough, they may not recognize all of the curves in that path and they would make an assumption that it's been a straight line. And oftentimes that can lead to miscommunications where like, oh, you started at point A and got to point B. Why didn't it take you way longer or sorry, way shorter? Why didn't, why didn't it take you way less money, all this stuff? But if you can show them all the curves in the road because you're meeting with them consistently, uh, they'll, they'll be a much better partner in the long run. Guys, what kind of parting device would you give to us simpletons? Shane and I, and we're building an app where we, we don't know what simple advice would you just want them to know or, or give them as they're starting their journey? I would say consider this process more uh, as an art form than a machine and, and consider the fact that we are building this as partners with you. It's not you're handing your code on a, 
you know, on a punch card into a, into a machine to just then spit out a result. It's, it's an art form. It's a process. And it's something that we're working on as a partnership together. So the more we work together, the more we communicate and the more we can get that up front, the better. I think something that's also super important for everybody to understand is like the plan that you have in your head is just not going to work. <laughs> it's just as hard to start a business as it is to build an app as I think what I'm trying to get across to people Mm -hmm. because starting a business is hard. Things are always changing. Something breaks. Like nobody starts a successful business and was like, Oh, that was easy. And I think that's what founders have in their head is like, I'm going to start to create this app or this website and it's going to get done and I'm going to make money, but there's just so much work that goes into all of it. There are going to be cases where you run over budget. There's going to be cases where timeline timelines are missed. And like, unfortunately that that's a, that's like life. That's just how it goes. And the only thing that we can really do is to make, to make your life easier is to be transparent. So don't get mad at me for missing a budget when you didn't hit your numbers uh, for your email list last month. Right? Like I, I should hold you accountable just for that because my success is just as dependent on your success as a founder. So um, it's, it's funny. That's just how, how the C sales, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'd say my like parting advice would be to make sure like if you want to build an app, uh, you need to make sure that you know what the goal of the app is. Uh, It gets really blurred and like, oh man, I like saw this app and it had this really cool feature. And it's like, well, does that actually have anything to do with what you're trying to accomplish? The problem you're trying Uh, to solve. Yeah, because people are excited. People are excited to build an app and get it going. And a lot of times you'll lose sight of like what that end goal is. Uh, Jaden mentioned there being like a lot of curves in that path and a lot of people want it to be like a straight line, but a lot of times I feel like clients, um, or anyone wanting to build an app, they're like, Oh, it'd be cool to add this like curve. Like, it'd also be cool if we, you know, we could do that. Um, and then that excitement can almost over, like, it's kind of like going to a buffet and like taking a little bit of like everything instead of just what you can actually eat. I would just add on what Jesse said. Um, knowing your audience is like a huge part of building um, an app and having a clear idea and on how it's going to look like, how it's going to work and how beneficial it's going to be to people. I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, kind of shifting the tone a little bit, I would say, uh, talk to your devs. I mean, uh, you, you sure you want to run through the project manager a lot, but, uh, we geek out when you ask us to, to explain how something works. You know what I mean? I, I, I love whenever someone asks me, Oh, Hey, how's this functioning? Can you explain it to me? Uh, and not necessarily that you need to know how everything works. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of working pieces. Um, but if you want to know that stuff and, and you feel uh, it would be valuable for you to learn, don't be afraid to ask. I, I think a lot of uh, developers are definitely willing to kind of just jump in it and, and show you how it works because uh, we are excited about that stuff. I mean, it's what we do all day. And, and you I, built I love it. It's it, your so. baby. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you want to you want to show how it works. So it definitely, off. I would I would say have a conversation uh, for sure. I, I think that that's always a good thing to do. That's awesome. And then I also want to add, uh, have your budget and then probably want to double it whatever it is because it makes life way easier because if you want what you want right isn't it awesome didn't we talk to guys says yeah someone told me that when it comes down to fundraising for development ask for double the, what you think you need <laughs> yeah it's like it's like whatever the developer quoted you go raise twice as much <laughs> yep <laughs> so well cool guys I, I appreciate you guys coming on um 
uh, Jaden, tell, tell uh, our listeners where they can, can find you kind of, kind of where, where you guys are, can be found and, and your information. Yeah, for sure. So uh, myself, Richard and Marcus representing Accelerate Development, that's spelled X-L-R and then the number eight. <laughs> and uh, we're excited to be here and chat with you guys, talk more about development, but find us on LinkedIn or AccelerateDev.com. Cool. And then the, the other devs uh, was part of Stride. So we have a few of us on here as well. So um, awesome. I, I think the conversation was great, especially for someone that's a non-technical or, you know, like me, me and Shane. Shane, I felt like this was a lot of fun, just like you know, shooting the breeze with guys that know way more than us, which is usually every day of my life. But you guys have been awesome. a good job not Great. rolling your eyes too when we're asking <laughs> questions. So we appreciate that. Thank you. I uh, just want to say thanks again, uh, Marcus, Richard, and Jaden for jumping on with us. So yep. very cool. Thanks, guys. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found it useful, it would really help us if you shared it with a friend. Just take a quick second to text it or to DM it to someone who would also love this. It would seriously make our entire day. Also, if you want to go deeper, we have full-length videos of all of our episodes, show notes, and a lot more at strides.dev. There's no.com at the end of that. You literally just type strides.dev in your browser. What else? Well, if you're looking to build an app, we want to talk to you. You can book your free strategy call and talk about your app with a pro at strides.dev. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome day.